Hello and welcome into another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. We have a super packed show for you today. We are going to give you our thoughts on Apple TV+. Plus. We'll get you caught up in what's popping. Kirk's got a new game for us. And we're going to review The Lighthouse, plus have our top five psychological thrillers. Let's do it. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast with your co-host, Kirk. Hello, hello. I am your co-host, Cam, and we are really happy to have you guys. Hope you had an incredible Halloween and All Saints Day and whatever other things have happened between now and mm. the last episode. Mm. We certainly had a great Halloween. We did. Our children went trick-or-treating together. Yes. We all went out in the bitter cold and, and roughed it, and it was awesome. Yeah, so you, Cam and I got split up between the different That's age right. groups. Older so kids, kids, I was with the babies, um, which was great. I was pulling the wagon. They loved it. Dude, Marshall loved it. I mean, he just like, I thought for sure he was going to hate it. It's cold. He doesn't, he has to get strapped into a wagon. Like, I just thought he would hate it. No, he was totally digging it. Yeah. And I get to eat all of his candy. So <laughs> I, I was also really digging it. So it was like win-win. Best Halloween for you. You're, you're coming next year. I don't know. You might you might have to give over some. Yeah, probably. Well, there was there was one house that like gave out the pouches, you know, yes. like those like uh, puree pouches, and mm-hmm. I was like, dude, this guy is woke. That's right. I don't know if he had like one bowl with like pouches and baby stuff, and like one bowl with candy. If so, that's like a plus plus amazing job. Yeah, and then we scouted out. This, this was my new neighborhood that I grew up in. I, your previous... new neighborhood, but your old neighborhood. Oh, it's a paradox. Life is a, time is a flat circle, Kirk. <sighs> We're living in a circle. <laughs> That's I'm right. drawing a circle in midair right yes. now. Yes. <laughs> okay. So there, we found new king size candy bars. Yes, and they were. And I want to make this clear: they were king size candy bars. Mm-hmm. They were not normal size candy bars. It said king size on the label. This is the real deal. And my favorite about this was that. The lady that was handing out this candy, she said, do the adults want some too? Oh, man. I mean. And as a polite guy, I was like, oh, we're good. I got theirs. And she asked me everyone like six more times. Yeah. And then finally we right, took it. She knew. Man, she what knew. A, an angel from heaven she is. Right. Just bringing people the utmost joy on Halloween. It was truly wonderful. Yeah. It was a good time. It was a good time. I hope you all had a great Halloween. Even if you don't have kids, I hope you got the ex- got some time to act like a kid and dress up and watch movies and things like that. Um, it was really fun. I want to talk about what we watched this week, which is going to dip a little bit into Apple TV Plus because, of course, on Friday, November 1st, Apple TV Plus came out mm-hmm. and all of the content that comes with that. And so I want to dig into that. But... Other things that were not Apple TV Plus related that you watched hit me. All right. So first I watched the entire series of Daybreak, the new zombie show on Netflix. The entire series. I did. Let me let me explain this. I get yeah. to watch a lot of TV and a lot of movies. The reason being is because I put a show on while I clean my house. Mm-hmm. So the thing is that Aubrey is like the best wife ever. 
and she does all the like sparkly things, right? So like I put things away. Yeah. And I'll do the dishes, right? Sure. And she'll do the sparkly things. Like she'll do the dusting and she'll do uh the 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 little neat oh, tidying the tedi- up. The tedious tasks. Yes. Like she's really, really good at it. I'm not good at those things. So I do like big impact items. So while yeah. I do those big impact items, headphones in, show on, watch the entire series of Daybreak. You're the macro cleaner, she's the micro cleaner. Yes. I like it. It's a good strategy. Mm-hmm. Pays off. Um, so how many episodes is that? Uh, I, 10? I think it's okay. 10. Yeah. No, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good. It's a really great show. Anything else that was not Apple TV Plus related? Jack Ryan came out. Okay. So do I need to watch this? People are telling me. I got I got friends telling me I need to be watching this. I'm like, I don't know. It's pretty fun. It's uh, season one, a little shaky at times. Episode one is perfection. Mm. episode one season one very good um it kind of gets rocky throughout a little bit they kind of lose their footing but season two hits the ground running i'm telling you i'm, in, I'm on episode three it's it's fire it's really okay good. okay see see i've got people telling you they're in my ear they're like listen if you watch jack ryan you would love jack ryan this mm-hmm. would be great and i am this guy i am the i'm a really annoying type of guy where the more you tell me that i should do something the less and less I will do it. I've got like, that tendency too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, then tell me. Stop telling me. Well, like I told you, you need to watch The Matrix. That's right. It's available everywhere now. I think Netflix I is available this month now too. I need to watch Lord of the Rings. I still haven't. Yeah. This is an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. Right? Yes. That's, that's what's happening here. <laughs> but like, the more you and I suggest things to each other, the more <laughs> unlikely it is that either of us will ever see them. So we should not suggest things to each other anymore. <laughs> we should be like, oh, man, don't watch this. It sucks. It's the worst. <laughs> I agree. Uh, so what I did to counteract that is that I created a list, a shared list for the two of us. Yeah, I was thankful for that. That has our homework on it. Yeah, I saw it come up and I was like, oh, great. Uh, more stuff to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. No, I was like, hey, next time I'm like, I'm bored, which I do all the time. Jackie can attest to this. She's like... <laughs> You're bored. What are you talking about? You're bored. We have all these video games. You have endless content you can watch. What are you bored? So next time I say that, she can just be like, check your movie list and shut up. That's right. So, <laughs> all right. I, I appreciate that. Um, What'd you watch? I watched, of course, last Tuesday, you and I received our Batman Beyond oh, complete yes. series box set. Complete with Funko. And it was like, oh, dude, it was like... I was transformed back into a small child. Mm-hmm. I could feel it coursing through my veins. I was like, this is so great. So I immediately dived into that because I had the digital copy, which is really nice. Yes. Um, it's still good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it, it holds up. I don't know. It's 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 so simple, but it's so brilliant. Just like the uh, the character, you know, it's it's so cool because it gives us a Batman that's a very different type of Batman. You know, Bruce Wayne is great. And bat the Bruce Wayne Batman is awesome, but this new Batman in Batman Beyond is has such a cool vibe. It's almost like a Spider Man Deadpool kind of vibe in a little bit in a little bit of a way, like yeah. cocky, smart Alec. Like I don't know, I dig it, and it's a really creative way to ki- to give us a new Batman without totally phasing out Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I think just like fundamentally. It's a good concept, and so the show succeeds because of that. You're right, because of the, the mimics of Spider-Man's tendency and personality. Because Spider-Man, we see when he's a teen, we never get Batman as a teen. Right. And this is it right here. And so without having to like change or see um, Bruce Wayne go through this Terry McGinnis phase, which is Batman Beyond, 
um, we get just a different Batman, and Batman yeah. Bruce Wayne is the mentor to right, him. Right, right. He's like the Alfred, which is such a cool. It's such a cool relationship. Mm-hmm. The the Terry and Bruce relationship is awesome. They mm-hmm. butt heads. They're like, I don't know. It's just it's awesome. It's it's great. They also like really care about each other. It's a it's a really good concept. Which is why they so desperately need to make that live action that we talk about like every other episode. Yeah. So I was thinking about it again the other day because I think about it every waking moment that I'm alive. Mm-hmm. Um, would you prefer a live action Batman Beyond movie? Or a live-action Batman Beyond TV series. Oh, no. I got to go with movie. Yeah, I think so, too. It just, it feels it feels cinematic to me. It feels pr- preferably a franchise. I don't want to be greedy. Right. But, uh, like a trilogy. Let's go. Yeah. But I don't see a TV series because we already got the TV series. We do. Mash that up. Give me a film version. Let's yeah, go. Yeah. And, and I, I really liked the old... Um, like st- animated series that they used to make for DC, like Superman, Batman, Batman Beyond, because the best. The cool thing about that was like every episode was kind of self-contained. Like there was a larger plot, but it was like new villain every episode, and you can't do that with a live-action series. It's just not it doesn't really work. Nope. So, yeah, I think movie would be better. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's that. Batman Beyond, still watching that, loving it. Um. I've been watching Watchmen. Okay. Which is great. I haven't watched last night's episode yet, but I'll be diving into that tonight. Um, Silicon Valley is back, All which right. is one of my faves. It's a good one. It's the final season. Um, and then Apple TV plus Apple TV plus let's get into it because I think a lot of people. So if you didn't buy a new Apple device or you're not planning to buy a new Apple device, the reality is that this is a seven day free trial, right? Seven days. That's right. And then you get hit with four ninety nine a month mm-hmm. after that. So the decision is we got all these different subscriptions, right? We talk about it all the time. Is this one to add to the pile? So whenever we, I want to give a little bit of context, a little bit of a review, and then we need to give our listeners a, a go, no go decision on whether they should subscribe. It's rough. Where do you want to start, man? Well, talk to me about some of the shows you watched okay. and what your impressions were. So I kicked off with the morning show. Yeah, that's the big ticket item. It's their flagship. They came out from the from the keynote. They said, "We've got Steve Carell, we've got Jennifer Aniston, we've got Reese Witherspoon." Um, I didn't like it. Yeah. Okay. I was quite sad because those are some big names, big hitters, and this show should have worked. And yeah. Now, granted, I only watched episode one, but if your episode one isn't strong, actually, episode one should be your strongest episode. And in a lot of ways, I think, especially in modern television, um, I think of, for example, a very similar show, The Newsroom on HBO, Mm -hmm. which had an in incredible first episode that really kind of drives the whole direction of the show i think you have to be doing that right so a couple bad things about this episode i won't spoil the show for you yeah, but that's okay it's pretty much the matt lauer incident oh gotcha that's been, okay that's been publicized yeah, 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 and out yeah. there um reese witherspoon is supposed to be southern which okay but she does not keep her accent throughout mm. it comes and goes and i'm like reese what are you doing see i put that on the director I don't know. I think it's on the actor. I think so. I think it's both though, because you you need to make sure as the director mm. that you're you're sort of like the last. You're listening. Yeah, like, and I I always feel like whenever you have incidents like that, and I may be wrong. I mean, I don't know the business that well, but like there were probably not enough takes. That's you know true. what I mean. Like there could have been not enough takes, but I, I think it's on the actor too to really like. You gotta push yourself. You gotta elevate. Mm-hmm. You can't just like maybe I don't know. Maybe she didn't like the script. And then. The Jennifer Aniston, which, 
you know, her strongest suit is comedy. Oh, and, 100%. And this is a, a dramedy, right? But there are moments that she just makes some choices that I was actually laughing at in her dramatic moments because they were so <sighs> poorly executed. Okay. And then okay. Steve Carell is just Michael, angry Michael Scott in this. And I, uh, we've seen him pull some terrific things off in dramatic films like Foxcatcher. Yeah, but he's another one I think that, well, I mean, really anybody. The, the writing has to be airtight, mm-hmm. you know, and, and this shouldn't be a hard group of people to write for because, you know, they all are very skilled. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think I think that sometimes if they if you don't, love the show or the subject matter or the script that can kind of take the wind out of your sails in a way as an actor as an artist right i'm gonna try episode two against my better judgment yeah and i'll report back okay sounds good on on the morning well, i mean show. some of the reviews on that have been less than stellar just mm-hmm. just flat out i will say the shining star is billy crudup oh really crudup yeah and he is incredible in it oh cool start to finish you, you just can't take your eyes off him he's really good yeah that's awesome good to hear uh anything else you watch on there um i did uh i did start dickinson and i did start c with oh, jason yeah. momoa yeah how was how was c you want to talk about C? I that's one i didn't watch yet i'm saving it for last i actually started it i was waiting for aubrey to get home she had to pick up the kids and then we cooked dinner together and I was watching it before she got home. So I only watched like 15 minutes. And man, is it terrible. <laughs> As expected. Uh, nothing makes sense in the in the rules of their world. And they just look ridiculous. Oh, man. So. That's, that is too bad. It really is. It is. Um, I, I mean, it just, it looked like a questionable, like a really shallow foundation on which to build a television series. Yeah. It's kind of like, like it reminded me of that show, The Slap. Yes. <laughs> or like, you know what I mean? Like one of those things where it's like, so how are they going to make a show out of this? Right. Because there's really one central conflict. And beyond that, there's nothing. So like you're going to have the the people who cannot see, which is the majority of the people, and the new babies or whatever that can. And that's it. That's your, that's your only concept. Yeah. And when something is that thin... I just feel like there's no way you can succeed. My biggest gripe with this show, and again, I've only watched like 15 minutes, Yeah, is that they are all, I mean, they're not like super well-groomed, but they're way too well-groomed for to be completely blind. They've never seen before. Some of them are clean shaven. <laughs> um, like their hairs are, it's in perfect braids. But, right. but this generation of the world has never seen what a braid looks like. I, I just, I have a lot of oh, questions. Oh, it's a good point. It's a good point. Um, yeah. Because they're all blind. There's well, not and a they're in like person. this post-apocalyptic setting, correct? Yes. Like they're living in the wilderness. So yeah, like being clean shaven is an interesting thing. They should all be disgusting. I would buy into that way more. I would rather watch that. Well, yeah, particularly if, if you don't have the ability to see and, you, and nobody does. Who cares? Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, that's a... That's an interesting one. Okay. And then Dickinson. Now, you watched more Dickinson than so I did. So, I did. I did. I dove into Dickinson head first. That was the first one I wanted to see. Um, uh, definitely caught my eye more so than the others. Like I said, I'm a Haley Steinfeld fan. Um, looking forward, I did not know anything about Emily Dickinson heading into it. So, I've been fascinated just reading about it. But I dig the show, man. I dig it. It's uh, there's some there's some acting performances that leave some something to be desired for sure. But I'm able to. I can look past it. And this type of show, 
it's really a cool thing stylistically. It's set. It's a period piece that's set in that era, but all of the dialogue is modern. Very um, cool. Which is just a cool vibe. And Haley Steinfeld does a great job. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, mm-hmm. I didn't even really mind Wiz Khalifa playing Death. Like it was, it's <laughs> weird, but he like wasn't bad. He didn't distract from it. It seemed to fit. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm enjoying it. I'll probably see that one through to the end. Uh, the only other thing I got to watch on Apple TV Plus so far is Snoopy in Space. Awesome. Yeah. How was it? I like it. It's like Marshall loves it. So that's the thing. It's like it's all these ten minute shorts, and they're educational. They're about space. Yeah. Um, Marshall loves Snoopy. So I, I don't know. I think they're cute. I've, I've dug it. I think it's the best thing that I've seen on there so far. That's that's a big win right there. I'm excited to watch that. Yeah. I, I mean, it's good. The kids will enjoy it. It's it's little short episodes. It's good production quality. Like, it's it's a good time. Um, But that's it. That brings up, like, you've got C, you've got The Morning Show, you've got Dickinson, Snoopy. There's not much else. I think that only leaves, like, three or four shows unnamed. Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider, there's the Oprah show, the Elephant Queen. Documentary, right? Yep, that's a documentary. And that's really where we're at right now with Apple TV+. And so my overall take on it is this. The user experience is pretty good. Um, The content is not there for me right now. Uh, It's not to say that it won't be. I'm really looking forward to the show called Truth Be Told that will have Octavia Spencer paired with Aaron Paul. Um, But... I think they misread the market. I think they're thinking that people are just going to scoop up all the content that they want right now. I think they were wrong about that. I think they were wrong going to market when they did because they don't have enough content to support this platform right now. Disney Plus is launching with oodles of content, both legacy and original. This has no legacy content on it. Um, So I really just think they tried to be the price leader. They tried to go to market first. And I think it was a poor decision. Mm-hmm. I really do. That's So that's my take. I've, if I was anybody I talked to about this, I'm going to say not, not now. Right. Don't, don't subscribe now. Maybe if they get some big show, maybe if one of these shows hits, sure. But right now, not for my money. I completely agree. Um, Aubrey actually fell asleep during the first episode of the morning show. Right. Yeah. She was like, I'm, I'm so bored. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yeah, that's I pretty telling, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't fall asleep during shows that like we sit down, like if it's, you know, you got the office on and you're playing it to go to sleep, right? Or yeah. something like that, but that you've seen a million times, but a new show, a drama, no, she's in it and she passed out pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I just think, um, I mean, try it out for yourself. Seven day free trial, no harm, no foul. I mean, if you're in my position and you got the new iPhone, you got this thing for a year, like, sure, I'll dabble in it throughout mm-hmm. the year. But if I was sitting there trying to make a decision on if I want to add another five dollar payment to my docket, like, I'm probably gonna pass on this one. Yep, and I'm in that camp. the The seven day free trial is almost up for me. Yeah, so you think you're gonna probably not pull the trigger? I'm gonna wait. It. I'm gonna I'm gonna say no, and then. I'm going to listen for you for new shows. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be the perfect proxy, right? Because I've got it for free and I can just kind of tell you like, hey, this is good. This is not. And then once you think there's enough there for you to really dive into. I mean, I don't think this thing is dead in the water by any means. No. Um, but it is uncharacteristic of Apple to flop like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I would consider it a flop at this point. And they, they, because of the nature of the business, they have the opportunity to right the ship if they start getting some really good content out there but it's not it's going to be a no for me dog 
you know, in the words of the immortal <laughs> Randy Jackson. <laughs> that, that's where I'm at with it right now. So that's Apple TV Plus. Hey, if you have Apple TV Plus or you started the free trial and there's stuff that you think Kirk and I should check out or stuff you want to talk about, hit us up on Facebook, hit us up on Twitter. We want to talk to you about it. All right, moving right along into what's popping. There it is. Good. You were right on it. You were like ready, ready for it. You were locked in. Yes, I was. I like it. Um, good week this week. I got to decide which one of these I want to go with first. Let's start with Terminator. Let's do. Let's <laughs> let's start with Terminator because this weekend you probably saw on Facebook we were trying to decide what we were going to see, and I was stuck with a moral dilemma because I desperately wanted to see the lighthouse. Kirk and I both did. We were we were texting about it. We we're like, dude want to see the lighthouse we both voted for the lighthouse on the poll (laughs) (laughs) and then we were like whoa 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 wait a second part of what part of what we do this podcast for is to give the listeners what they want yes and we made a vow early on to see whatever's going to be like the big movie so that people have water cooler material what have you so we put it to a vote and luckily the lighthouse prevailed I mean, we did vote on it, so it's whatever. Despite our votes, it would have won It would have won, won anyway, so that's key. And we went and saw the lighthouse. But anyway, Terminator is not faring well at the box office, Kirk. To the tune of a potential $100 million loss in the box office. Ouch. That hurts. Yeah. And this is something that's happening now, where these movies that... So I can see, if I'm a, if I'm a film producer... Yeah, I've got this new movie. It's a sequel in a very successful series. We're bringing back Arnold. We've got Linda Hamilton. Like Hamilton. Sorry. We've got to. Yeah, you do. You have to every single time. <laughs> That's that is a requirement actually. Um you've got Tim Miller coming to a produce to direct this. Right. That's who is big. really great. He really is. Um so this should be a slam dunk, right? Wrong. <laughs> and that's because <laughs> it's because of things like well, there's so much content out there right now, right at home, at your fingertips, and there's Rotten Tomatoes. Yes, and I mean, if that tomato that when that tomato meter score comes out, man, if it's like, dare I say it, like sixty or lower, I think. I mean, even I would say even a little bit higher than sixty. If you're mm-hmm. in like that sixty-five to seventy range, man, people might not come see your movie. Period. And, and it just got to sixty-nine percent. It really did. Yeah. And it obviously showed in the numbers. It's not enough, man. I, I mean, it's just, it's sad because that's the industry, but it has, I, I mean, I, I'll, I'll give my take on this. Mm-hmm. I think Rotten Tomatoes has elevated the type of content that we get. Look at the movies we've gotten this year. Mm-hmm. And that's been the case for a good while. Ever since the, the advent of Rotten Tomatoes, we're getting really good quality. I agree. I totally agree. I don't think we needed uh terminator 7 or 8 whatever it was well in the last two have not been good no let's just we'll put it that way i mean it's it, this series is done we've seen everything we need to see with this we've seen everything we need for, from these characters and i don't know man i think it's i think it's done you can't keep making a more impossible terminator to kill you've you've already reached that limit so me trying to wait till the last 45 seconds of the film for you to kill this thing I'm just already knowing that I know you can't kill it in a creative way because it's too powerful. Yeah. And I think for me, like I, I'm for sure going to see this cause I've seen every other Terminator. So mm-hmm. I'll, whether I see it in theaters or wait for it to come to home video or whatever, like w- remains to be seen. Yep. But the sequel thing we talk about a lot on this, on this show is do we need the sequel? 
Mm-hmm. And I think for a while now, the answer has been no on Terminator. T2 was freaking brilliant, man. Mm-hmm. T2, T2 is great. It's an all-time great action movie. I love it. Um, everything else, though, has <laughs> has been less so. Womp, womp. Yeah, exactly. So Terminator's not doing well. We'll see if this changes the trajectory. We've had a couple movies like this really flop that people expected to, to win at the box office. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the market adjusts to that. All right, next one up. We're talking Marvel. <laughs> Has it been a while since we talked Marvel? Oh, probably. I mean, we just talked about Tim Miller, and he's done. You know. Oh, yeah, we did. We did. But it's one of those things. Um, I, I think of Marvel as like, okay, so you're watching SportsCenter. People always complain about how ESPN talks about LeBron James too much. <laughs> but he's like the story. You know, he's LeBron. He's yeah. The, he's, the, he's a big man on campus. So Marvel is LeBron. <laughs> we'll probably talk about Marvel in some capacity, whether like – somewhat related or something in every episode because there's just so much going on yeah anyway this time the story is ant-man 3 we're getting ant-man 3 it's coming in 2022 which seems like an eternity away give me all the ant-mans all the paul rudd oh i forgot to mention i watched living with living yourself with, yourself. with yeah. paul rudd watched the whole series half an hour episodes brilliant perfect paul rudd is the best he is so good man love him he was on hot ones did you watch the hot ones i didn't watch it Oh man, he was great. He first of all, he made it. Spoiler alert: he made it through every single wing, yes. just like a total boss. <laughs> um, but he was hilarious and great, like he always is. I love Paul Rudd. Yes. Um, so yeah, everybody's returning. Uh, even the director Peyton Reed, who I think has done a really good job of guiding this series. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved Ant Man and the Wasp. I thought it was hilarious. Um, it might be one of the funniest Marvel movies that there is. It is. Um, because Michael Pena is also <laughs> awesome, and also the Baba Yaga, thing Baba Yaga is the best. So, yeah, Ant Man three. I'm stoked on that. What do you? I don't know. What do you? What are you waiting to see from Ant Man or the Wasp? Yeah, I wonder what villain comes next because yeah. Ant Man, one of the lesser known Marvel heroes to the general public. Yeah, I don't. I don't know who comes after this. I was shocked by Ghost. Yeah, coming in and uh but i imagine that michelle pfeiffer is going to be a play a bigger part in this mm-hmm. one yeah so I, whatever comes my way i know i'm confident that i'm going to like it yeah i kind of want to see them just make it bigger in mm-hmm. the sense that ant-man hasn't been that big of a player i mean he was a huge player in endgame which was awesome to see um, yes. perhaps the biggest if you think about like his impact on the actual events of the movie he was a big part so I'd like to see them do more with that, man. Give him like a give them like a huge villain, like or just make whatever happens in this oh. third Ant Man be really pivotal to what's coming in the whole plot. What if his his villain is part of the next big phase? Yeah, like the, that's what I would dig. What connects it all? Oh, yeah, just give yes. them a more integral part because hint like Ant Man and the Wasp are both gonna be some of the better characters we still have around in the MCU. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm really excited to have it though. I was, I've been kind of waiting for this announcement because I think we all kind of knew that we hadn't seen the last of Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. And when it didn't come out in like the phase four stuff, you were like, eh, where's that? Sneaking now we in. got it. So definitely excited about that. Okay. Next one, staying in the Disney verse, Bob Iger, who is the CEO of Disney. Um, interesting guy. Uh, he has it, it interesting in a way, like, I want to understand how your mind works, like in a Steve Jobs sort of way. You yeah. know, just like this guy took Disney and made it an empire of just un- immeasurable proportions. I it, mean, it was already so big, and then he just 
ate everything else up and brought it into the Disney, like well, yeah. you said, Disney verse. I love right. that. Like, like I was reading something the other day about how Steve Jobs wanted to eliminate Disney Animation Studios because they were coming off all these busts. Oh, yeah. You know, they had all these bad movies that came out. And, and even the ones that were relatively successful, like the Herculeses of the world, movies that people liked, they didn't do well in the box office. They didn't do well in home video sales, things like that. Yeah. Bob Iger said, let's take John Lasseter. Let's move him over to Disney Animation Studios. Let's elevate this portion. And now they're making movies that are just as good as Pixar. It's honestly really, really impressive. So he is a business genius Mm -hmm. total mogul mastermind he was on bbc talking about star wars Mm. and star wars has been interesting right because as soon as katherine kennedy at lucasfilm and bob Iger at disney got together it was like boom star wars everywhere yes and we had obviously the new trilogy which those followed in rapid succession two years two years two years Then you've got Rogue One, you've got Solo, there's all these new projects, there's The Mandalorian coming out, Um, but there's also been some projects that had a little bit of a rough go. Solo didn't do as well as people thought it would in the box office, Um, Rogue One did really well, but like Solo also had the Chris Miller, Phil Lord departure, they were originally scheduled to direct that film and instead it became Ron Howard, Um, recently the Game of Thrones writers exited yep yeah so there's been some interesting occurrences around star wars and he said today that the strategy with star wars going forward is going to be a less is more approach so cutting down on the amount of star wars i know that there was a darth vader movie that was supposed to be made at some point that was shelved there Hmm. were other movies that were supposed to be coming out that were spinoffs that were shelved so What do you think about the approach of less is more? I like less is more. I really do because we are just being bombarded with content. And if you you give us all of this Star Wars, we're going to be sick of it. We're going to, it's going to be harder to create unique content of Star Wars, even though there's so much to work with. If it's not compelling and if it's not unique enough to also interconnect, then people are just going to walk away from it. Yeah, I think so too. And I think there's, I mean, there's obviously evidence that I mean, I'm not sick of it, but there, there's, <laughs> there are, there is evidence that others are getting sick of it, and that right. people are starting to say, "Yeah, I think I'll pass on this particular Star Wars film and wait for the next big one." Yeah, not me um, either, but yeah, this is sort of the fork in the road for Star Wars, in, in a lot of ways, because you've got the the Skywalker saga is, it's going to be over. I mean, we're we're literally less than a month from it being over, or uh, sorry, we are a month away from it being over. December, <laughs> I know and that oh, hold on that was a terrible explosion sound <laughs> Ooh, that was much better that was like explosion in stereo <laughs> <laughs> it was good uh that'll be our next podcast idea <laughs> yes <laughs> sound effects <laughs> what sound effect is this <laughs> um anyway what was i talking about star wars oh that's right so star <laughs> wars this is the fork in the road yep they need to decide what's coming next Can Star Wars succeed without the Skywalker saga? I'm in the camp of yes, it can. Mandalorian is going to be very telling there. But I think it's good. I think it's good that they're being really intentional with their approach and that they're listening to the fans, even though some of the fans are a bunch of jerk Star Wars trolls. Indeed. I still think it's good to listen to them. Um, We are a pro Ryan Johnson podcast, by the way. Mm -hmm. If that disturbs you, you can... uh, 
well, you can message us about it because again, we're not going to tell you to turn it off and we like to engage in lively debate. So yes, we do, but anyway, star Wars, less is more approach. I also am in favor of it though. I hate the idea of having to wait a long time in between star Wars content. I like the idea of that content being quality and honestly, uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Kirk. Exactly. It's, it's true. Like that's why episode seven was such a huge deal because it had been so long and like, you don't get those good payoffs unless there is that gap. Mm-hmm. You know, like this movie, I think episode eight was the first time where I was really like, man, I didn't get that excited for a Star Wars movie. And the reason was just because it hadn't been long enough. Right. And this seems like a longer gap, right? W- yeah. Because last Jedi. No, no, it's the same. Is it the same? It's yeah, two, it sure two, is. Two. Yeah, it it's sure the same is. thing. Well, this one I'm excited about, but probably because we know it's the end. It is the end. And <sighs> it, man, I, I don't know. I was just thinking about the other day. Like I, once again, this is one of those things I think about every waking moment of my life. Mm -hmm. It's a lot on your plate. What do you think our, I don't know. Do you think we're going to get like an Avengers assemble moment in this where something just, so star Wars in my mind already had a moment like that, which was the, which was weirdly in episode two with the um, Jedi battle in the, in the arena where it's like you see hundreds of Jedi for the first time battling side by side, which was just sick. Incredible. Yeah. We need a moment of that caliber or higher to happen in this movie for it to really be a true ending. But like, what is it going to be? The options are endless and I, I trust JJ Abrams. Well, and there are plenty of options that we probably don't even know about. Right. Right. There's probably going to be some big twist. I don't know. Maybe it's the sacrifice of C-3PO. But do you... <laughs> oh, my gosh. If that is, like, the the climax of the movie, it's C-3PO taking one for the team, I'll be horrified. Just rip my heart out. Oh, man. That would be so bad. But do you think we will get an Avengers Endgame moment? They have to. Do you think we'll to. get an Avengers Assemble moment? If they don't, then they're doing it wrong. So here's my theory on what that moment would be. Okay, what do you got? Because I have a very, um, and I just made this up just now as we were talking about <laughs> it, because my brain is very small, and if it's going to be Avengers Assemble, it should be just like that. I think it will be similar, only all the Force ghosts, mm. all of the good Force ghosts, and Ray fight all of the bad Force ghosts, and Kylo. So dude, like in Harry Potter, when the parents start using yes, spells from beyond. Right. Ooh. I mean, that would be like pretty weird for Star Wars, but let's get weird. It would it would work though. Yeah. Because they're already supporting and communicating with them. Why can't they use the reach forward into the real living and world? Why bring Palpatine back if not for some other worldly purpose? Because what if you have Ray, Luke, Kylo, and Hayden Christensen. Yes. <laughs> fighting Palpatine. Yes. What but only said. Hayden Christensen. Not Dude, I am like weirdly <laughs> I am like weirdly expecting Hayden Christensen to make an appearance in this movie. He might. So Disney Social the other day, like Disney Park Social, I think, posted some like shots of him at Disneyland at Galaxy's Edge. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> What what's going on here? I was like, why are we bringing Hayden Christensen back into the fold, and why are we like making a big deal out of it? That's a good point because Ewan McGregor was just on Conan talking about Doctor Sleep coming up, but then also talking about the Ewan McGregor. Yeah, sorry, the Obi Wan series, the Ewan McGregor series. <laughs> Ewan McGregor as himself as Obi Wan <laughs> fighting Jedi. <laughs> okay, I want that too. Uh, but he even said how fighting with the lightsabers, the choreography is difficult. And he even spoke, the person that came to his mind was, you know, I've often hit Hayden. I was like, why'd you choose Hayden? Yeah, why'd you choose Hayden? 
So I don't know, man. I don't know if he appears. I'm, I don't know how I feel about that. I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm actually here for it. I want all the craziness to happen. If that's the moment, if that's the moment where all the force ghosts are coming to support and it's Hayden Christensen, I'm for it. Yeah, it'd be great. It'd be great. I mean, we already got the Yoda force ghost in last Jedi came back into the fold. I don't know. It's going to be wild times. I hope you're right. Um, okay. Moving on from star Wars though. It's very hard for us. We always get stuck on it for a while. Cause <laughs> it's do. incredible. Um, Seth Myers of late night show fame. What's the show called? Late night with Seth Myers or something like that. Probably. I don't know. They're all basically <laughs> the same name show. Yes. Just with a different person. It's like tonight late with Jimmy, whatever. And then late tonight with James Gordon. <laughs> yeah. It's like whatever. Anyway, Seth Myers has a stand up special that's coming to Netflix. It's first ever stand up special. Oh. I actually got to see Seth Myers do stand up at SIUE. That's right. My alma mater. Go Cougars. And he was good. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed his stand-up. So I'm actually excited about this. But what's, what the story is here, because Seth Meyers' first stand-up special is unfortunately not a news story. Um, Netflix is giving it a skip politics button. Hmm. So Seth Meyers is known for his political takes. That's like the basis of his whole late night talk show. You know, like And honestly, he was on Weekend Update on SNL, and that was his whole thing there, too. So... His fans like all the politics stuff, but I guess in order to kind of like capture a larger market, they are putting a skip politics button on because there's a portion of Seth Meyers standup special where he talks a lot about Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And during that time, they give you a button that'll say skip politics and you just (laughs) kind of like skip intro or whatever next episode and you can just skip right over it. Huh? Thoughts on that? Well, I don't really get it because... Part of Seth Meyers' uh, following since he took on his talk show was kind of destroying the mantle of Donald Trump. Yeah, and, and people s- are definitely here for that. So Safe to say that most of the people who are going to be watching this would want the politics, right? Right. So it's kind of strange that his, that his following, um, that he's choosing... Now, that's the question. Is he choosing to have this button or is Netflix I mean, it requesting seems, it? It seems consensual. Okay. between him and netflix that's not good. to be, not to make that sound weird i think that <laughs> is still correct but he it's not like netflix was like hey so you're special we're gonna put a button on it i do Sorry. not agree i do yeah, not agree i don't think he was like no you can't do that and then they were like well we're doing it anyway i think this is like a, a deal yeah huh it's it's definitely it's not what i expect that's the biggest thing of it yeah and it's weird to me as an artist like stand-up comedy is a very interesting art form, mm-hmm. um, and the guys who do it are a little bit strange because there is there is definitely an art to it, in how you tie your whole show together, and it takes lots of practice and really really good writing chops to be able to do it. I can't think of any stand-up comedian that would be like, oh yeah, if you just take the middle chunk of my show, <laughs> like the sixteen minutes or whatever, and chop that out and connect these two parts, it it's, works. Yeah, because it shouldn't really. So it, it is an interesting choice, but I don't know. It, we're getting, I mean, you have to say it's an interesting time to be watching content. You're getting these really customizable experiences. Exactly. So I wonder if he's writing it. He'd have to be if he's going to agree to that button. <laughs> it'd also be funny if he like talked about the button in the show. <laughs> yeah, it'd be very meta. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, hey, hey, you guys. Kind of like a Bo Burnham kind of thing. Like, you guys yeah. see that button? Press that. We're look, about to get real. You look know? straight into the yeah. Look straight into the camera. Yeah. Dimitri Martin does stuff like that too. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. So 
Okay, we'll see what happens. It'll be interesting. I actually it. am looking. I really am looking forward to his comedy special. He he was really funny live, and I was I wasn't expecting him to be just because I'd only ever seen him on SNL. And while I liked Re- Weekend Update, I didn't see how that translated to stand up. But he did an excellent job. So awesome. It'll be something to watch for sure. Last bit of what's popping. We I know we got a ton this week. Pop it up, baby. Back to Apple TV Plus. Actually, this would have been good at the front. Dang it. Speaking of breaking the fourth wall, (laughs) 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 we're getting a little too cozy here. I'm making Um, notes for next week. I know. We should have gone from the Apple TV Plus review segue straight into this whatever. Dang it. Apple TV original movie. That's right, Kirk. Apple TV original movie. It's the first time we're saying that. Mm -hmm. The Banker with um, Samuel L. Jackson and our buddy uh, Anthony Mackie, mm-hmm. who is the Falcon, Marvel, once again, um, they, they're they in a movie together. And it's called The Banker, and the, we had a trailer drop today. And basically, the, the premise of this movie is that Anthony Mackie's character wants to work with Samuel L. Jackson to purchase a bank mm-hmm. that they are going to use to help African-Americans finance their homes. In the 1950s. In the 1950s. So it's a period piece. It's civil rights era. Um, my my take is it looks re- really cool. What do you think? I'm all here for it. It looks so good. Anthony Mackie is one smooth fella. I love him. Yeah, and I think, I think we haven't seen enough of him. Yeah. Because he is a good actor. And not to say that he doesn't get to show that in the Marvel films, but it's good to see him get some serious roles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's done some... These like random indies that just haven't been to the top of the Netflix list. You kind of see them at the last minute, and then you're like, "Well, do I really want to watch that?" It took me a long time to yeah, find that. Sure, but they and then I look at their Rotten Tomato scores, and they're like up in the high 80s. I'm like, "Well, I should watch that." Yeah, no, he's good. He's been in some good movies. <laughs> he's so good. So this movie looks really, really fun, and it said something at the end of the trailer. It said that it would be coming to theaters. Yeah. So this is something that I guess. I guess they're having to do to contend for awards or something like that. Maybe. Yeah. It's like have sense. a theatrical wide release and then go to like Netflix is doing with the Irishman. It's in theaters now limited release. And then it'll be on Netflix the 27th. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I'm guessing this will be a similar scenario and they're trying to maybe contend for awards. I don't really know. That'd be crazy. Uh, I mean, I haven't obviously no one has seen this movie, but I I would give it awards just by seeing the trailer. Yeah, it looks great. I'm excited to see Samuel L. Jackson playing like an old man. Yeah, because <laughs> I don't know that we've seen that outside of like Django Unchained. Yes, and a few other like parody type roles. Like seeing him actually embrace the fact that like oh he actually kind of is elderly, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and um, though he's been able to play all these different characters and look great doing it Mm -hmm. uh it'll be fun to see him kind of be like the wise old guy in this movie and the acting looks really good from the movie so or from the trailer so i'm excited for it same all right that is it for what's popping and now the part of the show that always makes me the most nervous kirk you have um devised some sort of game that i know nothing literally nothing about i came up with this this afternoon oh fantastic (laughs) uh lay it on me this is a true or false game that I'm entitling. Oh, and let me guess, uh, before you actually give us the name mm-hmm. of it, um, well, it would have to be just me. I'm the only one answering. Just you. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not I playing. I was like, wait, I don't actually know what the game is. So, <laughs> Great. Perfect. As the game master, I've titled this Defoe, Debro, and Da Lighthouse. <laughs> <laughs> what? Defoe, Debro, Da Lighthouse. 
Okay. <laughs> Go on. Defoe as in Willem. Sure, got that Dubrow one. Debro as in Arpats. And okay. Delight House is in the movie we watched this week. Okay. Got so. it. Makes sense. Hey, you know what? Makes perfect sense now that you explain it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Well done. Well done. So in this game, mm-hmm. I'm going to read you a series of true or false questions. Okay. That have to that relate to the title of this game. And you have to decide is it true or false? Are you ready? So what are the facts? They have to do with all sorts of things. Actor facts, lighthouse facts. Oh, okay. Great. Just fun light. We all know facts. that I have really uh, well-rounded and in-depth knowledge of, of lighthouses from the late 19th century. Yeah. Sweet. Let's go. <laughs> Here we go. Ready. Play along with us, if you will. Number one. The United States is home to more lighthouses than any other country. True or false? I'd have to say true just because we have all kinds of coastline. That is true. Okay. Whew. Nice. Yeah. Well, you know, you've, I lived in the Pacific Northwest for a year. That's right. And we visited lots of lighthouses. Also, my favorite lighthouse, Hesed Ahead Lighthouse in uh, on the Oregon coast. And uh, that was, Jackie and I would go there fairly often. Beautiful lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Used in many movies, actually. Was not used in this movie, but yeah. So what's it painted? There's a lot of a lot of details around lighthouses and how they're painted. White yeah, it's or... like a it's like a red and white candy cane type Very lighthouse. Nice. I think that's why it's. I think I, I, I may be making this up, but I feel like I remember a factoid about it being the most photographed lighthouse Ooh. ever. Very and cool. so a lot of people have seen it but don't know. The... Maybe you'll find that fact later on here. Yeah, we'll see. Number two, the U.S. government controls the operations for lighthouse keepers. Women were not considered eligible for this job until the 20th century. True or false? I would have to say true just because historically um, women have been marginalized and we've been pretty crappy to women over time. That's true. Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm sorry. The, your statement was true. My statement was false. <laughs> <laughs> this oh. is <a> false. <laughs> it's true that we've been really bad to women. But yes. <laughs> sorry, that was super confusing. The statement I read was false. Lighthouse keepers, lighthouse keeping was one of the first U.S. government jobs available to women in the 19th century. Well, that's nice, except for the fact that it's a terribly crappy job <laughs> exactly. that nobody wanted to do. And so, once again, <laughs> sorry, sorry, ladies. We still failed you. That's so bad. Also, the, the lighthouse that I just said was red and white candy cane, definitely not. Uh, I've walked past this lighthouse probably 20 times. I used to, Jackie and I used to hike by this white lighthouse. It's actually just white. It's just white. Here it is, Kirk. It's incredible. It is a beautiful lighthouse, though. Oh, yeah, there's, there's the roof like, is red. Yeah, there's some nice um, fur trees behind it. But it's just a just a white just a plain lighthouse. Old white lighthouse. <laughs> Love right. it. Here comes uh, the Defoe part of this game. Perfect. Willem Defoe was expelled from private school when he was only 12 years old. Um, I bet he was like actually seven. It's one of those kind of true false Ooh, questions. I don't know. I'm gonna say false because he's crazy. If he made it to 12, I'd be shocked. The answer is false. Okay. But not because of why you think it is. So you still got it right. <laughs> okay. Great. The reason is that it's because it was R. Pats who got expelled from private school when oh. he was 12. Oh, Robert and, Pattinson. And he's never explained why. Mm. It's a secret. He killed a man. Ooh. Probably. I mean, I I would believe that after seeing. Yeah, I would his expel films. I would expel him for that too, I think. If you kill somebody. Yeah, you're <laughs> fast track. Just to flat out, you're gone. 
zero tolerance policy for killing. <laughs> I think that's that's a good rule to have. Oh, number four. Robert Pattinson nearly tore a hamstring in his very first shot of Twilight. Ooh. So the very first scene he filmed or the very first shot of Twilight? The very first scene he filmed. Oh, what would that, what would that, what would that have been? Was he running? I'm going to say true. You're good at this. This yeah. is true. Thank you. I'm yeah. a good test taker. And this is, yes, you are actually. Uh, this, because I've tested you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would know. You give me tests all the time. That's why you're the game master, Kirk. You have all the quizzes. That's right. Um, his words, no one else's, in the scene he had to pick up Kristen Stewart and he said that he hadn't been doing enough squats, so he almost pulled a hamstring. Yeah. Which makes no sense because she's like 10 pounds. Well, lucky for um, Robert Pattinson, it's Squat-tober. Oh, wait, no, it's November. Sorry. So Squat-vember? Yeah, so he can get his squats in now. Or Perfect. he probably got his squats in last month, so he's probably feeling pretty spry, pretty agile. Maybe they can reprise with him to the Twilight film. Don't ever skip leg day, Robert Pattinson. Come <laughs> on, man. That's a rookie mistake. Our next one. As of 2017, the most expensive lighthouse built in America is St. George Reef near Crescent City, California. It took 10 years to construct and cost $2 million. Ooh, if that's false, that is a weird... It's like on Balderdash when people just make it as like complicated as possible so that it sounds like it oh, has yeah. to be true. I'm going to say true. It's called... What's it called? St peter's reef st george reef near crescent city california yeah it sounds expensive i'll say yes that would be expensive the answer is false i switched the numbers on you oh of course i knew it <laughs> it was false it only cost seven hundred fifteen thousand dollars. just a, a small drop in the bucket just, yeah just a pocket change yes did it still take 10 years to build it did why <laughs> i don't know <laughs> They built a Walmart super center down the road for like in like 30 minutes. Right. I don't get that at all. Uh, I, you know, lighthouses, they have lots lots of intricacies. I find that hard to believe. I think they're just like concrete. <laughs> anyway. Number six, Willem Dafoe is actually named William. Oh, if that's false. <laughs> that has to be. The answer is true. What? Why? <laughs> Why indeed? Why? His his Christian name is William. But why, Kirk? He says Willem is a nickname, and that's what he chose to go by his entire film career. I disagree. Career. Will, Willem is not a nickname for William. No, it's Bill or Billy. Bill, Billy. Will. <laughs> Buck. I don't know. Not Willem. So many other options. That's so weird. It's like he. It's like he wanted to, he just wanted people to mispronounce his name for the rest of his life. Right? He wanted to Everybody's going to call him William anyway. The first time you see his name, you undoubtedly say William. Because you're like... Yeah. Spider-Man 1 came out. I'm like, oh, William Defoe. William Defoe, sure. And then like three years later, I'm like, oh. Oh, it's Willem. Nope. It's actually William. <laughs> How confusing is that? Just keep tricking us. Number seven. There are ten, by the way. Oh, boy. The Lighthouse is the second film within ten years to loosely depict the same event. False. It is true. Seriously? Yes. Oh man, that's gonna mess up my review. There, there is a there's a movie I didn't look into. I was words. I was trying to see if there were other films like this specifically for this question. Yeah. And there is a 2016 film 
same concept, same story basis based on a true story factoid. Wow, those guys must be salty. Right. <laughs> They're like, hey, we did this. We just did a crappier job. Nobody liked our movie. Right. Yeah. It was... Uh, I'm kind of shocked by that. Actually, I, one of the things I was going to say in my review is that the ori- the originality, like this is a story that hasn't been told, and yet here we are. Yeah. Apparently in that film, they took a, they, they obviously took a different route, and it was, you know, three years ago. We can talk about that as we get there. Okay. Number eight, Robert Pattinson hates his R. Pat's nickname. I mean, I would say, yeah, it's pretty terrible. That is correct. Yeah, it's a he terrible it. nickname. He says he wants to <laughs> strangle anyone who uses the nickname. Oh, you're you're on the list, Kirk. <laughs> you are on the list. I, I personally have not said it yet, so. Ooh, congratulations. You'll live on to tell the tale of our podcast. Yeah, I'll, I'll, send, I'll send him your name, and I'll send him Kelsey. <laughs> that's right. Kelsey Davis, who, you know, commented saying our pats our pats our pats and that's where i got it from I'm like what's our pats never heard of it before that and so i was googling and i was like oh this was his nickname and then i got to this it's a thing and also what's really fun about robert pattinson and what makes me want to tweet about robert pattinson all the time is that if you mention his name on twitter try this try this mention robert pattinson and a swarm of our pats fan club members will get you they will all like your tweet they will all retweet your tweet. They will all follow you. It's a fact. It's true. And there is, I mean, there. do it. Just try it right now. I guarantee it will happen. Just say like, oh, Robert Pattinson is awesome. We Go, got, Robert Pattinson. We love you. We got like 30 new uh, followers and like 2,000 new engagements because of that tweet. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> I was just like, okay, Kirk, new rule. Robert Pattinson's name must be in every tweet. Okay, <laughs> go. Number eight. The specific light bulb used in lighthouses is also used in theater. Probably yes. That is correct. The Fresnel lantern is what what it all comes together as. Does everyone use the same light universally? Um, So there's lots of different types of lights, I should say, in theater. No, I mean for lighthouses. Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. Probably just so... If all the lighthouses need their bulbs changed, they can just call the same people. One time. guy. Yeah. One inventory guy. There's only one person in the world who knows how to change light bulbs on lighthouses, probably. And they were both in this movie. Yep. Arpats <laughs> and William Defoe. William Defoe. The last one, Cameron. Okay, last one. Let's go. The first U.S. lighthouse to use electricity is the Montauk Point Light. That's the name of the lighthouse. Yeah. In East Hampton, East Hampton New York. It's not in Montauk? Apparently. That's weird. I, I, I wonder why they named it that then. I don't know. Um, First lighthouse to use electricity. False. Up in New York. You are correct. Yeah. It is false. The Statue of Liberty in New York Harbor Ha-ha. was the right one. You got a 60% on this test. Woohoo! That's pretty good. Congratulations. Yeah. Like I said, I know lots about lighthouses. You know a lot about Defoe, DeBro. And a lighthouse. Excellent. Great, great game, Kirk. You never cease to amaze me with your game making abilities. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. And now that we've already talked a lot about lighthouses, let's talk about the movie called The Lighthouse. And it is my turn to go first. Do it. So here's my tweet synopsis Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson are the only two people on an otherwise uninhabited island, though their time together is expected to be short. Strong storms, sea curses, and cabin fever turns a seemingly mundane engagement into a nightmare scenario. Mundane? Yep. 
There I love it is. That word. That was beautiful. What you got? Tweet synopsis. Let's go. My tweet synopsis. Here we go. Because <clears throat> there's a lighthouse <laughs> in the harbor. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> well, you know, is that Garth Brooks? It is Garth Brooks. Oh, my gosh. Well done. <laughs> wow. That was unexpected and amazing <laughs> i didn't get very far <laughs> i know that well it's I, probably for the best that song is kind of terrible that movie i mean that song uh, i thought of it immediately uh, well, as be- soon as the movie came up you were like this is it <laughs> that's right i saw the lighthouse i thought of that lyric it's at the end of the movie frequency with dennis quaid and jim caviezel oh that's right they're playing baseball their dad and son again he's alive and i would have never remembered that <laughs> i never. love that movie <laughs> and that song plays that is not my tweet synopsis that is excellent here okay, we go your real tweet synopsis my real one <clears throat> two lighthouse keepers become stranded on their latest caretaker assignment secluded from all other communication and confined to the smallest of living spaces their truest desires are soon exposed as the impending storm encroaches on the little humanity they have left Ooh, i like that thank you i like that a lot yeah, this movie is a wacky time, man. This this movie, so basically, um, trying to think of things you couldn't have gleaned from our synopses. It takes place, it's a period piece. It mm-hmm. takes place in the late 1800s, and it's basically just two lighthouse keepers chilling in a lighthouse, trying to do survive, their job. do the job, and, and live. I mean, it's... They're on a, an island that there's like just insane weather conditions, rain and giant waves and all kinds of stuff. It's just really rocky terrain. And there's, it's not an easy job being a lighthouse keeper. I, I figured out from this film. And so <laughs> there, that's basically it. That's the premise for the movie. And it goes, gets kind of insane from there. Um, basically they're the only two people there. And so both of our synopses alluded to the movie. And you could probably tell this from the trailer, just sort of devolves into total madness from, being alone being i don't know being stranded on this island Mm -hmm. the bad weather like it just it turns into quickly just a story about cabin fever and that's basically where where we start indeed so let's jump into and the oscar goes to lay it down for us it's got to be robert pattinson and i'm coming clean here kirk i'm coming clean okay (laughs) i've said some things about robert pattinson i've questioned his abilities there are people out there right now who are pointing and laughing at me. Mm-hmm. I am shamefaced because Robert Pattinson Kirk is a treasure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this man may be, and this I'm dead serious about this, this is not hyperbole. He may be one of the best actors alive. Mm-hmm. This performance was insane. He is a surefire Oscar candidate. He may win it, much to my chagrin, because I'll have to get a tattoo. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, that's right. I know. I know. I was like, oh, crap. Um, No, but seriously, this is insane. And, dude, I am so stoked for the Batman now. Yes. (laughs) I'm like, hey, everything I've said bad about you, Robert Pattinson, I take it back. I mean, I know the Twilight movies were bad. They were bad. You know, he had to get money. Yeah, I mean, that's just the name of the game. I don't think... you Nobody starts out and just immediately has amazing roles. I mean, some people do, but it's very rare. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, wow. I, I was blown away with Robert Pattinson. I'll be quickly following up this movie with the rest of his catalog because I'm just, I was blown away. Mm-hmm. Um, his character arrives on this island. He's, you know, a man of few words. He shows up. He's just trying to do a job. He's there for four weeks. He's got this other guy who's pretty quirky. He's like, man, I'm just trying to get through, you know. And the transformation that the character goes through from start to finish is so drastic and so masterfully executed. It's it's quite it's quite a viewing experience. Mm-hmm. And Willem Dafoe. So if you can't get it from the trailer, those are these are the only two people in this movie, with the exception of a cup one one other person who appears. That's right. Um, this. This whole relationship is crazy, and Willem Dafoe is absolutely incredible as well. But Robert Pattinson's character from start to finish changes drastically, whereas Willem's is fairly steady. He's the constant. Right. Yep. He's he's just a force, okay? And so for that reason, I had to go with Robert Pattinson, though both were clearly deserving. Mm-hmm. What did you go with? Oscar that's, goes to. That's funny because this was super hard. It, oh, it was. I know. I went back and forth. There's just the two of them. So you chose the path uh, of the story arc, and I chose the constant Willem mm, Dafoe. Yeah, I like it. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, for um, sure. So Willem Dafoe, the man, the, <laughs> the myth, the legend. Now we know he's also known as William. Um, he does this incredible trick that no matter what he plays, who he plays, he's always creepy. There's this super... <laughs> yeah, dude, he's just inherently <laughs> creepy. I don't know what it is. It's, it's I don't know if it's because of his pointy face and his incredible giant eyes that it just lends himself to find those characters. Yeah. And the fact that he's not afraid to go into the psyche of, of those kinds of characters. But he did something in this role that was that set it apart from his other roles, which was really exciting in the fact that he, he played less creepy. Even though he was certainly creepy, he played more of a mysterious character. And oh, yeah. We, we we hear him tell stories that are not his own. We hear him quote these Shakespearean uh, uh, and different kinds of big monologues and quirky things throughout the movie, and that's kind of his shtick. I actually worked with kind of a curmudgeon old man when I worked at the Gateway Arch. Yeah. And while he didn't speak in, like, Shakespearean talk, he would always just kind of mumble and want to be, like, speaking to me because I was younger than him. And so that we've got the mentor-apprentice relationship in this in this film, right? And I, there was always this air of mystery around him. Good old Jim at the Gateway Arch. There was one one scene in particular that kind of nailed it for me where it's one of the scenes where they're getting to know each other and, and we're getting to know the characters as well. And Robert Pattinson asks Willem Dafoe something about his life and Willem Dafoe turns completely profile to the camera and he says a few things, not really finishing the thought or finishing... Uh, the story, and then he throws it back to Robert Pattinson, who then kind of just pours out his heart. So I love the mysterious air to Willem Dafoe yeah. in this film. Yeah, and uh, what's going to be funny here is that for Scene Stealer, we'll probably be flip-flopped as well, <laughs> I would guess, right? <laughs> yes. So we can dive into that, and I can talk about Willem Dafoe a little bit. Let's do it. Um, there is one particular scene, and the reason that I ended up going with him as Scene Stealer instead of um, Best Actor is there is a scene in which Willem Dafoe just recites the sea curse to Robert Pattinson and does so without blinking and with 
steadily growing intensity over the course of like three minutes. And it is absolutely incredible. It's like, I literally sat there just like eyes wide open, like, Oh my (laughs) gosh, this is horrifying. And it's such an intense moment. And I honestly think he's one of very few people on this planet that could have delivered it that way and done such a good job. It's just perfect casting, man. They just really set these guys up for success here. Um, and that moment is what resonates with me still about this movie. I can still see it in my head. Mm-hmm. And I thought that he was great. And what's really cool about this, and they talked about it a lot, of, if you've watched any of the press that they've done for this movie, is that Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe didn't interact a ton when they were on set. They sort of did their own thing, different things, but they both sort of stayed isolated in their own way. Whereas like, Robert Pattinson stayed at the hotel with the rest of the crew. Willem Dafoe stayed in a, like a cabin in the woods, effectively. I expect nothing but less. But then when they were on set, Robert Pattinson didn't engage with the crew and with the other actor unless they were filming together. And Willem Dafoe was the opposite. would eat lunch with everybody, would talk to everybody. And so they have very different methods. But really what they were trying to do from staying separate is to push the other person in a way. Because yes. acting, and I did not go to theater, so you, fe- I did not go to school for theater, so feel free to check me on this. But from what I understand about improv and just acting in general, is that a lot of it is done in the moment, and a lot of it is about taking what the other person gives you, and because as soon as that other person does it, it's the truth, and so you have to respond to it. And so what these actors were trying to do, Robert Pattinson said, is shock each other. Because they want to see how the other person reacts and they want to see how they can get their character to react in a certain way. And Willem Dafoe, there were times where Robert Pattinson was throwing a lot at him from emotional perspective, from a high energy perspective. And Willem Dafoe took it in stride. There was no clear, like weird moments or weird exchanges. Everything just felt perfect. And Mm -hmm. I think that's because Willem Dafoe as the scene stealer and as in my opinion, the support really did a good job of accepting those offers and Mm -hmm. saying, okay, Robert Pattinson, this is what you're giving me. I'm going to give this right back to you. And just that, that tug of war that was going on was really cool to watch. Yeah. He absorbed everything that Pattinson was giving him. He was like, okay, okay. And how about this? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's, just matching and blow for blow. It's so cool. How, how they played off each other. You're exactly right. Because Robert, sorry, going back to it, Robert Pattinson is the one who has to drive this. Yes. Because again, Willem Dafoe is the constant, but Robert Pattinson is the one who's responsible for developing this character and really responsible for actually telling the story. Yes. And so Willem Dafoe doesn't have as much control over the, momentum but he has to make sure that where robert pattinson takes them he's Mm -hmm. matching him there yeah he's like dropping all the catalysts for robert you're exactly right yeah Yeah. and then and he's picking them up and just like running with them and and going off with them however they explode in his hand yep 100 percent. i love it robert pattinson my scene stealer i also felt ashamed i hated him for so long yeah i think we even talked about it on like episode two or something we did yeah and uh, he's just so good. He's he's doing just such a good job in everything he does. The, there's a big part of authenticity to this film, and his accent. I I, I talked bad about Reese Witherspoon and her accent on Apple TV Plus. From the moment he opens his mouth at the beginning to the last line, every word he speaks is the characters. Yes. This this very calculated accent from a very specific region. He holds on to it, and it's not forced. 
it was studied, it was rehearsed, and it became just part of his character every time he spoke. And that got me every time he opened his mouth. I'm like, oh, what's he going to say? How is it going to sound? And I know that's kind of a silly thing to grab onto, but it's it takes a lot of effort. Um, my wife, Aubrey, she is phenomenal at voice work. Yeah, her, her dialect ability oh. is like spot on. It's insane. And, and I don't think this is a movie she'd like to see. <laughs> But I know for everybody, man. It's not. It's definitely not. (laughs) But I know that she would appreciate any time that he would be speaking in in this film. Yeah. Um, He gives just a heartbreaking performance uh, as we just see him grapple with his identity from the beginning to the end, and it's just really a phenomenal uh, journey to see where he starts and where he finishes with this. Yeah. It's it's interesting you bring up the accents, and I know we'll probably go into it when we talk about Showstopper a little bit, but in reading about this, Robert Eggers, who's the director of this film, he and his brother put this whole thing together. Mm-hmm. They were exceptionally meticulous about how lines were delivered and how the accents sounded to make sure it was just 100% money, just like authentic straight through. Mm-hmm. To the point they said, the one article I read said, Robert, it wasn't uncommon to hear Robert Eggers on set saying things like, okay, in your second line in the third sentence, you need to be delivering that 75% faster. Oh my gosh. You know, like that level. And I love to hear things like that because that is like next level. You know, there's, there are movies that are good just because they are just inherently good stories and things like that. And then there are movies that are good and great because of the blood, sweat and tears of the people who put them together. And that alone shows me that this, this production was really well put together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I want to jump into showstopper and you and I actually did, we, this is not something we normally do, but I had a sneaking suspicion <laughs> that our showstopper would be very similar on this one. And yeah. so I kind of want to make this one an open discussion because yes. the showstopper of this movie really is the production itself. Mm-hmm. The production is, absolutely unbelievable it is a site is a work of art actually is what i will say it is an absolute work of art top to bottom so i want to talk about your favorite parts of the production what you liked for me it's the it's the way that this movie was shot um which i actually have the blurb let me pull it up because i thought this was interesting there's a lot of stuff going on there yep so the film is shot in an aspect ratio that is virtually square it's 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 almost square. Um, it's a little bit taller than I think it is wide, um, and it's really interesting because it's a period piece. Like I said, it's set in the late eighteen hundreds, potentially early nineteen hundreds era, and at that time, a lot of movies were shot this way. But to get that same look, they had to go to some extraordinary lengths. So they were using thirty five millimeter black and white film. They used what's called double X 5222 film. Mm -hmm. And they were augmenting the camera using a vintage Baltar lens, which is a lens that was actually used in the 1910s and 1920s. Yeah. So put all of that together and you've got a film created in 2019 that looks like it was created in the 1900s. I mean, this thing looks like, Orson Welles. Mm -hmm. It looked like Alfred Hitchcock and even earlier filmmakers than that. It was insane. Did we mention that it was black and white? Yeah, it's black and white. Yeah, it's black (laughs) and white. Um, And one of the other things they talked about that I thought was really interesting is that because of the exposure of the, or because of the way that the lens kind of 
captured captured things and because of the types of film they were using it was incredibly difficult to get light Mm -hmm. and so they had to use these really really bright lights to the points where some of the crew members were wearing sunglasses (laughs) on set so that most of the time robert pattinson and willem dafoe couldn't even see each other which makes their acting performances all the more impressive so i don't know it's the little details like that that just tell you everything you need to know about this film and you can actually start to fall even more in love with this movie when you start to read about the production design because it's incredible yeah it's so authentic and without that you pretty much just have a horror film you know if you didn't have all that put together you would just have like these ideas of what you thought it could look like and then you have just kind of more cartoony or or complete stage like um uh, caricatures of what you want it all to be. So, yeah, the authenticity is crazy. I, I also read that um, Robert Eggers also had them do their homework and read very specific things that would <clears throat> would excuse me would make sense for their character. So, Willem Dafoe read a bunch of Shakespearean things. That's awesome. And then uh, Robert Pattinson. I don't want to give away too much, but he read things that would just pertain to his character and yeah. his character development. Um, so. All of that put together is the only way that this makes sense. Uh, that the why it was so good. It was your. It was a piece of art. That's so good. Yeah, and and Robert Eggers has a background in production design. He actually he cut his teeth in production design prior to becoming a director, and that just works over time here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, to have a guy who's that specialized in creating a, a production design and that meticulous, to having that guy behind the camera calling the shots. I mm-hmm. mean, that's what you end up with is something that's just incredibly polished. When you look at it, like you can point at anything in the room of any, of any of the spaces that they're in. And it looks like it's from that time era, that time period. I know it's insane. And some of it could have even been, but I doubt that all of it was. I'm pretty sure they constructed this lighthouse if I'm correct as well. Um, they didn't just go to a lighthouse. They had they went and they built it, and they endured crazy weather. And they yeah, endured. insane weather. They said <laughs> like just I mean, look at the terrain of this island. When you see the movie, it's rocky. It's insane. Uh-huh. Um, there's rain just pouring down in heaps on them. Oh. It's clearly very cold. Yeah, it's oh, it's wild. That was one of the other fun facts is that um, Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson really didn't hang out after filming was over each day. They would go home because they were exhausted from yeah. filming. It's just in, emotionally and physically taking a toll on them. Yeah. And then they said they met up after the filming was done. And they're like, oh, yeah, we like each other. Yeah. <laughs> so it, that's fun. All that stuff together makes this a really, really, really crazy production. Um, so that's what we have for Showstopper. It's it's something to see. And And one last thing on that is like, what I really like about this, and the artist did this too, where it was like a movie that couldn't be made again. This is kind of like a movie that can't be made again in mm-hmm. a lot of ways because it is a movie made in 2019 that looks like a movie made in the 1900s with influences from every era in between. I mean, there were like glimpses of Wes Anderson in here. There were glimpses of, um, you know, like I said, Orson Welles and... um who am I thinking of the guy Guillermo del Toro? That's mm-hmm. what I was trying to say, mm-hmm. because there are certain shots where I'm like, Oh man, that's Guillermo. Like you can see these things and pinpoint them. And so having that, you end up with a movie that's just totally unique and not, not, it will not ever be duplicated ever. Mm-hmm. So very cool. Let's jump into, sh- let's jump into director shoes. I have a really hard time with director shoes on this one. Yes. I think that overall what you're left with here. It can be, it's, it's very interpretive. So 
it can be as simple as two guys in a lighthouse with cabin fever. Like that can be the point of the movie or it can be heavily thematic involving masculinity and society and themes of light and dark and those things. You can take it however you want. I don't know that I would have changed anything about it. Mm -hmm. And it pains me to say that because I like to have something to pick at with everything. Um, And it doesn't mean that I think this movie is like the best movie ever made, but I just think that it accomplished what it was trying to accomplish. And it did so with very little wasted effort. It was a very efficient production. So I think I might just leave it at that, man. That's good. My director's shoes were, were also difficult to fill. And they, the thing that I chose was also something that I understood that why they did it that way. But I'm going to say it anyways. Yeah. Go <laughs> so for it. if I had to pick anything, there were times, especially in the beginning, where we've got these accents. Willem Dafoe also had his own very unique accent, which was very different from Robert Pattinson, our Pats. And... I wish that I could have understood them a little bit more at the beginning. The sound quality, because you had all of the different elements pounding against them, and you had the uh, the foghorn going off from the lighthouse, you had the wind shaking it, the, the lighthouse, you had the rain hitting the lighthouse, and the animals, and the seagulls, and all those things happening. I wanted to hear the conversations that they were having, especially when they first met. Yep. But then as the movie went on, I'm like, it doesn't really matter. You could almost watch this film silently. Yes, and still know everything that's going on. It's true. And I, I, so that was my initial thought when I went into it. And at the end, I was like, you know what? Who cares? This, I, I get it. I get the whole thing. Um, but I really would like to know more of those conversations and hear those Shakespearean speeches a little bit more crisped out in order to kind of follow along. Yeah, I like that note. I think it's really good. I think, you know, overall, this is a movie to find that's really hard to pick a bone with uh, because it's, mm-hmm. it's put together so well you will be hard pressed to find errors and so really what it comes down to is are you picking up what the egger brothers are putting down mm-hmm. or are you not and that's really where this where the scoring comes into play so i'll give my disclaimer that i give on movies like this this movie is not for everyone just because i'm gonna say here in a little bit that i really liked it doesn't mean that everyone will this movie is super avant-garde it's really weird it's disturbing at times it's it's wild if you like movies like some of let me think of some of the ones that we reviewed like if you saw ad astra and liked it there's a good chance you'll like this one it's pretty weird like that Mm -hmm. if you like i don't know movies like the master or movies that are directed by terrence malick like things that are just non-linear a little wacky Mm -hmm. um this is for you if not, it may not be for you. Um, that said, I really enjoyed this movie. I liked that um, Robert Eggers, he just likes to tell stories that, I mean, he hasn't directed that many films, but one of his movies that he directed is The Witch, which came out in 2015. And that was a movie that was just a, basically just like a Northeastern folktale in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this was very much like that. It was a story. And it was a story that, hadn't been told much before. And if you look back, like digging into the history and actually I was talking to um, my buddy Stefano Mm -hmm. at work today who, you know, dug into the history a little bit and was sending me all these things. It's like, it's really cool um, to see there was, there was a period of time where 
this job was happening and people were losing their minds working in lighthouses. Like mm-hmm. it's a crazy thing that probably not that many people know about. And so telling a story about it is a, is an interesting choice and one that I really respect. Um, and he, I think at the end of the day, I'm sure there are things thematically we can dive into. I'm sure I can't possibly grasp all the themes that are built into that movie. But even without that, it is a story about two guys on a rock with cabin fever mm-hmm. and watching their descent into madness. And uh, I dug it. So for score, I am going to give it a 9.7 out of 10 kernels. Very nice. Which is equivalent to what I gave the Joker or Joker. Joker. My highest score, tied for my highest score of the year. Very nice. Very nice. What about you? So many thoughts. I have to give the disclaimer that when I saw this movie, I was completely alone. Oh, no. <laughs> you were the only one in the theater? I was the only person in that nope. theater, Cameron. Nope, 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 hard pass. I was anxious enough at like, what was it, 9.15 in the morning? Yeah. No, thanks. Yeah, so I booked my ticket at 9.30 p.m. I was in the theater at 10.30 p.m. with my snacks, posting my picture for all of you. And there was supposed to be one other person in the theater, which I thought, dude, how meta. There's going to be two probably dudes in this theater. And we're going to be watching this film about two dudes in a lighthouse. Just imagine. He never came. It was just me. And I'm like, like the trailers are running and I'm like sitting up high in my seat, like looking down. I'm like, I don't want this guy to scare me because I know there's an element of of horror to this film that I'm about to watch. Yeah, a little bit of thrill. And he never, ever came. <laughs> and so you're looking over your shoulder the whole time. And exactly. And I was in the top row. So luckily I could see the whole theater. But when I left, when those lights went came up at the end of the film, I saw no other human being. Like there were cars in the parking lot, but I did not see another worker. I did not see another audience member from a different movie. Oof. I sprinted to my car. <laughs> Holy so, crap, man. All that said, I also really enjoyed this movie. It's something that, should it doesn't really um i wouldn't say that this is a movie that i thought i would like honestly i knew that i would like the acting performances i knew that i would like the story but the horror elements i'm not really a a a horror guy but those the way they did those things were so um psychological that it made it work so so intricately well with all the authenticity of the storyline and what was going on with them their descent into madness yeah want to give a quick shout out to my old professors david and gene walski who are big lighthouse fans so yeah. i had a little bit of lighthouse knowledge going into this as well and i hope they see this movie i don't think they'll like it for the movie <laughs> i think they'll like the lighthouse though <laughs> yeah it's they go beautiful. on they go on lighthouse tours and for all that put together my experience the film itself the production of the film i'm going with a 9.5 on this bad boy 9.5 mm-hmm. very good so yeah this is a movie that you know, it's just good. It, it's it's objectively really well put together, and I do, I think that many people could see this movie and say that was the weirdest thing I've ever watched. I hated that, <laughs> and that would be totally fair. Yeah. Um, there are just movies like that, and I like movies like that. I don't know. I like the weird stuff. I think you and I are on the same page with that. Yeah, I think I like this movie better. Like after I slept on it too, because as I was driving home, I was like freaked out a bit, right? Because I was by myself. And I actually was like, I had that moment where I was saying, talking out loud to myself, like, what did I just watch? I liked it. I said all these things in the car, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> because I was descending into madness a little bit because <laughs> I was what freaking out. And as I thought about it more, putting my notes together, I'm like, yeah, that was really good. Mm-hmm. So we should talk about this because 
with those scores, if I'm doing the math correctly, this becomes our third highest rated movie of the year on average wow. for Popcorn for Breakfast, behind only Joker and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Awesome. So those movies, I think you and I agree, are both Best Picture nominees easy. What are your thoughts on this one? Absolutely. Yeah, I think it gets nominated. Absolutely. There's I ten, think it could win. There's 10 slots. It absolutely is in that category. Yeah. Yeah. I think it will be nominated. I think it could win if the Academy is feeling weird, which sometimes <laughs> they are, and other times they're not. Yeah. Last year, they were not. They voted for Green Book, <laughs> and that was very cut and dry. It was a great movie. It is. Great movie. Um, no no shade towards that movie whatsoever. But, uh, you know, and then other times there's The Shape of Water. Mm-hmm. And that one's a little weird. I would say this one's even weirder than that. Yep. Um, so should be interesting, but I expect to uh to see it nominated. For I sure. can't I can't wait to make our like roster for and our picks for once the Oscar list comes out. I'm super excited about that. Well, I can tell you that we're running low on best actor in a leading role, male actor. Yeah. Like straight up. <laughs> We've got Joaquin, who will win. He will win. Or you get a tattoo. Or I get a tattoo, but he will win. Robert Pattinson, I'm kind of putting him as a lock. I think he's a lock. Oh, yeah. And then I would say Leo. Absolutely. And those are my three locks. And I think that there are some other fringe guys that are totally deserved. Eddie Murphy being one of them. Eddie Murphy. I would agree. Yep. So that only leaves one spot. And there are a lot of movies yet to come. And so I think there are going to be some snubs in a major way. This is just a really good year for film, which is a it's a good problem to have, but mm-hmm. a problem no less. And it better not be snubs of one of the ones we like. Yeah. No. It I'll should, be mad. It should not be. So The Lighthouse, go see it. Potentially? Potentially. Mark? <laughs> just know yourself. Yeah, know <laughs> yourself. And if you're if you're hearing words like, this is weird... And you're thinking, uh, maybe not. Just, just, yeah, stay home. <laughs> um, all right. So that's the lighthouse. And what's really interesting about the lighthouse, Kirk, is that it's. You mentioned that it has a bit of a horror element to it, but mm-hmm. it wouldn't be considered a traditional horror film. And in fact, some of the scariest movies are not traditional horror films. Truth. They are called psychological thrillers. Mm-hmm. You like that segue there? I loved it. <laughs> so we are going to be doing our top five psychological thrillers. This is one of my favorite. Would you, I guess it's a genre, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is one of my favorite genres of movies. I can remember many, many late nights in college, Googling best psychological thrillers on Netflix, best psychological thrillers on prime. Like, yeah. So I love these movies. I'm excited to dig into this top five. It is your turn to go first. What is your number five psychological thriller? This is hard. <laughs> There's so many out oh, there. Oh, it's hard. It's hard. There and, are there's some good ones. And then there are some that you could like talk yourself out of. Like, is that really a psychological thriller? I'm gonna go with a with an old school one. I consider this a psychological thriller. The Manchurian Candidate. Ooh. The yeah. original. Good one. No shade at Denzel. But that one wasn't good. <laughs> I'm talking the original Manchurian Candidate. I can't think of the year it came out, but I think I watched this in film class uh, in high school, and it is a ride, man. It is so, so good. If you haven't seen it, go find it. I actually own it, so you can buy it. Uh, you can still buy it. It's on wholesale or whatever on, on Amazon. I'm sure it's there. Um, really fantastic story about uh, the brainwashing and um, uh, manipulation and motives. Uh, it's it's incredible stuff. Yes, that is a good one. I 
I would definitely call that a psychological thriller. Okay, good. I think, it, you know, it's it's anything that really, like, keeps you guessing. You have to think through it. You don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, that's very much, that's what The Lighthouse is. I wouldn't say The Lighthouse is, like, the most traditional psychological thriller in the sense that there's, like, no big giant twist or anything like that. Right. Um, which a lot of these will have. But I think that still counts. Perfect. My number five. Man, I'm between two right now. And I have them both listed as number five on my list, weirdly, because I thought I'd make a decision right now. And uh, Between two fives. I am going to go with The Prestige. Excellent. Which is a Chris Nolan movie. It's Christian Bale. It's Hugh Jackman. It's about magicians. Um, if you haven't seen this movie, I highly recommend you check it out. It's very watchable. Mm-hmm. We'll keep you guessing till the end. I love the... I love the whole theme of it because the whole thing about a psychological thriller again is that it keeps you guessing and that's what magicians do. And so mm. a psychological thriller about magicians is kind of an awesome idea. Um, and it's about two magicians that are sort of like dueling each other. Amazing acting performances, obviously well-directed It's Chris Nolan. Mm-hmm. Um, Christian Bale is stellar in this movie and I love it. Watch it. It's on HBO quite often. And so if I'm ever flipping through channels, I'll just be like, Ooh, the Prestige, let's check it out. That's one you just stop and watch yeah. the whole way through. It's great. And if you're thinking that you were try- talking about The Illusionist, you're wrong, because that movie is terrible. But they came out the same year, didn't they? They sure did. <laughs> it's one of those weird <laughs> things where like two movies with like similar-ish subject matter show up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's, and The Prestige was far superior. It was. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things. One, one movie, in those scenarios, one movie always fails. Yes. But, um, the one that was tied for fifth, though, was Dial M for Murder. Ah, very nice. The goat, Alfred Hitchcock, man. Very nice. Yeah. My number four. This is a movie that I've only seen one time, but it scarred me for life. <laughs> so Good. Yeah, I, that's a good sign. <laughs> and this is a movie that, uh, if Aubrey is listening, she already knows what it is. She hates this movie. She saw it. Also scarred her for life. Robin Williams is in this film. It's called One Hour Photo. Ooh, I have not seen it. I don't think I will, based on that description. <laughs> you, you should give it a go just one time. Robert uh, Robin Williams plays, um, I think his name is like Sid or something. He's got a he's got a really short name in this film. Anyways, he plays a uh, like a Walmart superstore photo center guy, and he develops your pictures. And he's a lonely guy. He's old. He watches the world through other people's uh excitement their celebration of life and their despairs of life so there's pictures of funerals and birthday parties and weddings and people sick in the hospital and he watches it all but then he collects these pictures he does a little side double nope nope. and he he like he gets real close with these people in his mind and then he actually um uh, connects to one family more than he should yep don't like that yep so one hour photo (laughs) no thank you hashtag scarred for life (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think i'm scarred for life just hearing that description yikes yeah um okay number four yeah that's a that's a good one i i definitely have one on here that scarred me for life so (laughs) most of these scarred me for life. (laughs) yeah i think uh yeah um my number four is shutter island very nice which of course is the martin scorsese film it's got leo it's got mark ruffalo this is when we found out mark ruffalo can really act that's right (laughs) um great great ending to this one big reveal 
Um, I won't spoil it except for, I guess, saying that there's a big twist is kind of spoiling it. Eh. Anyway, it's a good one. It's a, it's a period piece and a really, really good one with some good acting performances and definitely just like one of those films that you think about for a long time after you watch it, which any good psychological thriller leaves you there. Uh, that's where I'm at with the lighthouse right now. I'm still thinking about it all the time. So, uh, shutter Island, I'm sure a lot of people have seen this one. It was a big deal, but check it out if you haven't. Mm Mm-hmm. And get ready, because Irishman is coming soon. It'll get you warmed up. Yeah, it's a good one. My number three. Got to go with M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong, Unbreakable. Ooh, yeah, yeah. With Bruce, Bruce Willis. Willis. Mm-hmm. Dude, this is the first. So that movie should have never been made into a trilogy between that and Split and Glass. Oh, it, you didn't like Glass? Just, I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't finish it, and I forgot to return the rental afterwards, so I had to pay like extra late fees. Yeah, I didn't ever see Split. I heard mixed reviews on that, though. I was mixed reviews on Split, too. Yeah. I was like, eh, it's, you know, James McAvoy's my guy. I love I him. Love, yeah, I love James Friend McAvoy. of the pop, you know. Straight up. So Unbreakable has uh, Bruce Willis, and he is a real-life comic book superhero. Um, they, it was, It was an incredible feat that M. Night Shyamalan took on. It was one of his better films earlier on in his career. If you haven't seen it, highly recommend. It's got wonderful acting. It's got beautiful shots, fantastic lighting and writing. And you you gotta you gotta dive into this because it will it will mess with your head in a in a fun way. Yes. Good one. Um I just realized that Christopher Nolan appears on my list three times, Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> so that was completely unintentional, but definitely true to form, I would say. Yes. So um with that in mind, number three, Inception. Inception, I play with your brain. Yeah, love it. I love Inception. I love that Chris Nolan leaves us with a decision point at the end. It's like you get to decide how this movie ends. Love that. And that he forces you to make that decision because yes. he's like, he leaves you with this very defined moment and you're like, oh, did this happen? Did that happen? I don't know. What's real? What's not? Um, Inception is just also a really innovative idea. Yes. Like totally just... If, if you go back to like thinking about really original concepts, this is at the top of the list. Um, and I love it. I remember seeing it in theaters. I remember not knowing anything. Like, I don't know what I was expecting to get out of it, but I remember leaving just totally blown away. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the, one of those uh, film experiences that just kind of sticks in your head is the first time that I saw Inception. It really does. I actually I'm talking a lot about Aubrey today. I took Aubrey, Aubrey and I went and saw this on a date and I really didn't know what was going on with it seeing the trailer and i was like well this looks cool and totally blew away my expectations what's funny about this this came out in 2010 i think and mm-hmm. the uh i think about this film a lot it's it's one of my go-tos strangely i will watch this at night you know to go to sleep which makes yeah. no sense but no, it's, it's a good one you know it's about dreams right and i think about that and the totem spinning at the end of the film what if this movie was around when social media was blown up like it is today like we had a lot of social media in 2010 but it was nothing like here in 2019 and i just feel like that would be a hashtag you know well they've memed they've memed inception even after all that you know what <laughs> i mean have. like people say like like they basically replace the in with anything yeah like burritoception you know what <laughs> i mean like <laughs> it's a burrito within a burrito <laughs> yes. i don't know that's just an example but yeah it's still like even this has had a massive cultural impact because it was so cool. Yes. Yeah, it'll continue to live on. All right. Number two? Number two. This one. Oh, man. This one really, really got me. Um, 
this is a psychological thriller because you just don't know if this person or these people are going to survive. It is one of the most anxiety-inducing films I've ever seen in my life to this day. Captain Phillips. Oh. With Tom Hanks. Goodness. I'm the captain now. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Yeah, that's something else. Aubrey, again, I see all of my psychological th- uh, thrillers with my wife. So Yeah, it's kind of her shtick. She, mm-hmm. she digs it. So we saw this. She was probably seven months pregnant with Asher. And we watched this and we swore that we were going to be ending up in the hospital giving birth that night. Yeah. A heart rate of 185 <laughs> is really good when you're pregnant. Yeah. Yes. Um, you don't know what's coming uh, for, for this film, left and right. It's it's so good. Uh, if you haven't seen it, go watch it now. Good one. Um, number two. This was the one I was talking about that scarred me for life. Okay. Identity. Have you seen this movie? Yes, I have. Okay, so this movie is like loosely based on Agatha Christie's and then there were none in that you don't know who's doing all the killings, but people are dying and they're dying seemingly in a specific order and, you know, there's things happening. It's very cool. You're like, man, this is great. This is kind of scary. It's a good movie. And then the end happens, Kirk. And when the end happens... You get fear goosebumps in such a horrific way. I remember almost screaming out loud when I watched this movie because I was so horrified. <laughs> and even thinking about it right now is shaking me to my core. Yeah. Um, definitely didn't see it coming, for sure. <laughs> no. And just when you think everything's fine and great, it's worse than ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yikes times one million identity. Who's in that movie, Cameron? Uh, John Cusack is in this movie, and I know that because I looked it up to make sure I didn't say the wrong person. <laughs> Thank Nicholas you very Cage, much. Nicholas Cage, Alfred Molina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Love it. Oh, man, that movie. Yeesh. That'll that'll give you nightmares. <laughs> it really will, man. Oh, my gosh. It really will. There's a scene in the laundry room that's... Oh, yep, that too. <laughs> okay. Number one. And I don't know if a lot of people have seen this movie. This movie is called Hard Candy. Oh, I've seen that. Is that the Ellen Page? It is Ellen Page, oh, Patrick Wilson. Gosh. <laughs> this uh this has some just spoilers all around it, but basically Ellen Page meets a man. Ellen Page is a um minor, and she meets Patrick Wilson, who's a man, and things happen and things that you would not expect happen and really will scar you. They will scar you. Yeah. Um, man, I just really want everyone to see Hard Candy. This was a movie I picked up on a whim from Blockbuster or Hollywood Video way back in the day. <laughs> and boy, was I surprised when I put Dude, this that's thing how in. Everybody, that's how everybody sees Hard Candy. Yes. They have no idea what they're walking into because I have the same experience. Did you? Where I'm like, oh, what's this? It's on Showtime. <laughs> you know, I'm like, eh, it's it's got seemingly good reviews. I'll check it out. And then I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I feel like my friends picked it up and we were like, oh, look, hard candy. Look, you're going to have some, like, it was, yeah. we were just being stupid yeah, teenagers. Just being dumb. Yeah, exactly. And then we were just glued to the screen and our seats and just like holding each other <laughs> in yeah, pain. Dude. Yeah. Number one, hard candy. Good choice. Definitely a messed up movie. Definitely a psychological thriller. My number one, I am going with Memento jealous that's the third christopher nolan so you probably knew that that one was coming after i said three chris nolans but memento is awesome it is 
just the best psychological thriller, obviously, because I put it number one, but in the sense that, like, has an ending that you just never see coming. There are things that happen throughout the movie. They, like, get you to start thinking a bunch of different ways about what's happening, and then they just totally flip it on you. Um, It's awesome. I love it. It is, like... I mean, I think it was the first Chris Nolan movie that I saw, and I immediately was like, dude, does this guy have more? Because I need to check it out. Um, I really, really like it. And if you are one of these people who has seen Inception, you've seen the big movies, you know, you've seen the Batman movies and all that, and you haven't seen Memento, highly recommend you swing back and give it a look because it's amazing. It's like a rite of passage to see that when when you're ready and old enough. For sure. Yeah, it's a really, really good one. So Memento number one. Let's go honorable mentions. I'll go first. I got Secret Window. This is the movie with Johnny Depp. Really good one there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, The Sixth Sense, of course. Of course. I I mean, I view that one as more of a horror. I think that's why I didn't loop it in, but it does have one of the great... I mean, it's M. Night Shyamalan again, so... Mm -hmm. Big twist there, obviously. Uh, the twist that every single person on planet Earth knows, I mm-hmm. think, whether they've seen the movie or not, the I See Dead People. Um, you spoiled it. Yeah, I spo- <laughs> spoiled the most spoiled movie in the history of the world. Whoops. Um, and then the other one that I had was Side Effects, yeah. which I don't think a lot of people saw that movie. It's like Jude Law and Rooney Mara and... Or, Oh, the Mars confuse me. It might be Kate, but I'm, I'm not pretty sure. sure it's Rooney. Pretty sure it's Rooney. Mara. Channing Tatum is in that. Channing Tatum's in that. Yeah, it's definitely Rooney Mara. Yep. Um, yikes. Yeah. That's all I have to say about that. So side effects is the reason I have a rule. And my rule is that if I get home and I can't find my wife in the house, she has two times of me calling her name. Actually, no, she has one time of me calling her name and no response. I'm gone. Okay. <laughs> gone. Just like, looking around no wife if i go jackie nothing i'm out the front door so fast (laughs) there's smoke behind me (laughs) okay and if you've seen that movie you know why and if you haven't yeesh watch it to follow cameron's rule watch it and then you'll figure out why i'm horrified for life (laughs) oh i love it my honorable mentions i didn't have a lot and again i was questioning my honorable mentions um this one's more sci-fi, but I feel like it's psychological. Minority Report with Tom Cruise. Yeah, I, I count that. I feel like that counts, man. I, For sure. I could rewatch that any time of day. It's, it's a good one. It's fantastic. Um, got Taxi Driver in here, little Robert De Niro. Yeah. Mm. And The Machinist with Christian Bale. Good one. Oh, my goodness. Strap in if you haven't seen that yeah, one. Yeah, that one's Wild Times. Watch Memento and Machinist like back to back. Actually, I think my dad just watched that movie the other night because he texted me. He did. And... It's funny, like me and my dad text all the time, but we rarely text about movies just because like I don't see my my dad loves movies, but he's the guy who watches a movie one time and that's the end of it, you know. <laughs> um, and so I don't consider him like a total like movie lover. But he texted me the other night. And he's like, have you seen The Machinist? I was like, Psh, yeah, <laughs> I have definitely seen The Machinist. Did you just watch it for the first time? And he was like, yeah, it was amazing. I was like, yeah, yeah, it is awesome. Um, so I'm actually kind of, kind of salty that that didn't make my list. That's okay. Didn't one that I'm surprised didn't make your list. Cause you showed me this movie. Mm, trying to think. Can you put the pieces together before I tell you? I bet you can't. Oh, you want a hint? I have an idea. Give me a hint. Has Tim Robbins in it. Arlington road. Yep. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's one we watched together. That should be on uh, here for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I was surprised to not see that one, but you know, there's so many, this is a packed genre. Yes. So 
If you have psychological thrillers that we're missing or you want to talk about ones that we listed, hit us up on social. We love to talk about our top fives. We love to talk about movies, obviously. So hit us with your list. If there's any movies we need to see that scarred you for life, that seems only fair Mm -hmm. because we've asked you to see some movies that scarred us for life. And uh, yeah, let's just make it mutual. We'll just pass it back and forth. This is a two-way street. This is a relationship. That's right. Will you see a scary movie? We'll see a scary movie. Yeah, there's give and take. You and I see... think we're seeing Dr. Sleep next week. And, oh, man. Uh, which means I have to watch The Shining this week. And I'm like, <laughs> yikes. We might have to see Dr. Sleep together. I we I think we will. I think we will. Otherwise, I'm going to have to wear a diaper. Once again, like I did, <laughs> like for it, I'm going to have to wear a diaper because I will literally pee my pants. Um, I'm terrified of Dr. Sleep. But hey, that's the job. You know, the, you don't get into the tough, rough and tumble world of podcasting if you can't handle a couple scary movies, Kirk. That's right. Okay, so that is a wrap on this episode. As always, we have Star Wars coming up, and it is coming up fast. If you think you got time, you don't got time. Movies, Movie times are selling out. We've got tickets available for sale. We have 10 days. Whenever you hear this episode, which is Tuesday, November 5th, you will have only 10 days left to purchase tickets. We have plenty of tickets left. We would love to see you. They're going to be cheaper than what you can get at the movie theater regularly. We're going to have some trivia beforehand. This theater is going to be absolutely lit. We're going to be cheering at all the big moments. That's when, right. Whenever all the ghosts fight each other at the end, we're going to be going <laughs> I'm gonna, insane. I'm going to stand up if that happens. Kirk's going to be standing up, clapping. I'm going to be blacked out on the floor, foaming <laughs> at the mouth. It's going to be a really good time. Um, and you will not want to miss it. So, Be sure to check out our tickets. You can find them on Eventbrite. You can find them most easily on Facebook and Twitter pinned to the top of our page. Um, If you have questions about tickets or pricing or anything like that, send them our way. You can send it to us on any of our social media channels, but also popcorn for breakfast podcast at gmail.com. Longest email address ever. Mm -hmm. And that is a wrap on this episode. Thank you so much to Ryan Spriggs, as always, who helps us produce this episode produce this episode and every other episode for that matter. And as always, a special thank you to Ryan Spriggs and Brandon Aristed for our awesome theme music. And we will see you all next week. Talk to you then.
on today's episode of Eating Random Things. Pizza. See you next week.